Buongiorno and welcome to my podcast, My Way of Thinking, or Mawat for short, hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live from the Man Cave every week. Now, you will notice if you're watching on YouTube, um, a few changes to the uh, Man Cave because basically we're locked down now for four weeks. So we're going to have a little bit of a gym in here. I had to move pool tables around and things like that. Now, this sign right here, it's actually got a nice drawing and Mawat on and everything which I didn't realise doesn't show up. It's just a big white square. So obviously I'll be sorting that out. And the other thing you might notice is, of course, my new winter bobble hat, which uh, I just recently got. I thought I'd just uh, pop it on because it's a little bit chilly in here. Uh, all getting ready for winter now. Oh, yes. Anyway, uh, my way of thinking is all about us, amazing human beings uh, that all have a story to tell. Now, those stories can vary massively, but with the guests I'll be interviewing, you'll always be able to take a little bit of advice or insight into how extraordinary we can all be. Remember four rules, no bullshitting, no judging, no negativity, and have fun. Now, today I am talking to the awesome Holly Kerrigan. Uh, Holly works for Martin Hospice. I've known her for a while now, uh, a lovely, lovely girl. Uh, and just really interested in her story and how she how it came to be. I also uh, do a little bit for the charity now and again, so it's important you're listening about that bit and how you can do your bit. Um, so yeah, just a great chat. Hope you enjoy this. This is me talking to Holly. So welcome on my way of thinking to the amazing Holly Kerrigan. Woo! <laughs> That's welcome, the best welcome I've ever had. Hey. <laughs> God. That's the best welcome I've ever had. <laughs> welcome, Ollie. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Well, yeah, you won't say that later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, but no, really looking forward to speaking to you, speaking to you. Um, how are you at the start of lockdown? Are you still having to go into work and that? Mostly working from home. Um, most of my role can be done from home, so working from home as much as possible. Not too bad so far, only a few days in, but yeah. All right, it's a bit depressing, ain't it? But what, what can you, yeah. you know, we know it's, well, we hope it's for the right reasons, but you know. Yeah, something... and hopefully only for four weeks, which we can Yeah, with. yeah, definitely. How um, has the family, I mean, how old are your kids? I haven't got any kids. Oh, well, when you well, no. done, that shows I've done my research. <laughs> I could have sworn I've seen a kid in the background once when we were doing the quiz. Uh, married? I'm married, yeah. How long have you been married? I've been married uh, about seven years. Oh, nice, yeah. Me and the missus are coming up to ten years. Ooh. Don't know what that is. Probably. No, I'm not very good at that, knowing what the tin, tin or something like that. <laughs> um, and is uh, is your husband, is he working from home or will he be work going out? No, he's going out to work, which I think is a good thing because if we were both at home yeah, at the same you, time... Send you mad. Well, I'm the yeah. same. My, my wife works from home and I've been pulled into work now. Oh, um, okay. So, which is a pain, but you've got to do it because of schools are still open. So it's a different lockdown this time, isn't it, sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. And Go on. Last time, like, the roads were so quiet and stuff, but it's not as noticeable because the school's been open, I don't think, this time. Yeah. I'd, my worry is people are not taking it serious enough and they, they're shooting themselves in the foot because if they don't, it's going to be extended. Yeah, you know I, mean? I know. So I think as much as we hate it and we want to rebel against it, we have to try and do our bit, don't we? You know what I mean? Definitely, and that's what I think. I wish everyone would just obey the rules for a four-week period, and then we, you know, we it won't be extended. But as you say, there's people that just want to do their own thing, and it just makes it longer for everyone else. Yeah. Anyway, what I always do in the morning, I always read the news, um, and it does annoy me, but I have to read the news, and so I always read some funny stories or something that makes me smile in the morning to start on a bit of a positive note. So yeah. these are a couple of stories that uh, I saw this morning that made me giggle. <laughs> now, this student, okay, a student was forced to send a panicky apology email after accidentally submitting an essay with an inappropriate title, okay? And there's a video of this girl crying her eyes out. You get, this is so funny. So she didn't know whether to laugh or cry after submitting an essay to be marked, only to realize she'd left a glaring error at the top of the page. And in a video that quickly went viral on TikTok, the student, shown in tears of panic on her bedroom floor as her friends filmed her, 
with the captions, my roommate submitted her midterm paper without changing the title. So I'm guessing it's in America, probably tell us. So she begins to break down. Uh, she asks a friend if it's possible to resubmit the work. Uh, and the cameras pan to her laptop screen and it zooms in to her essay to show the student forgotten to change the sarcastic title that she'd labelled the work when she began. And the top of every page was stupid fucking paper that has no meaning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And there's a picture of her and she looks mortified. Oh, no. I feel really sorry for her, but... You've got to double check these things. Absolutely. She's not going to be getting the top marks, is she, with the title like that? Yeah, she put, she put, it was a rough draft, and I tend to do this on my papers to help me get started. I'm attaching the correct document. Uh, once again, I really am sorry. What a silly girl. Have you ever done anything like that? I did a phone call once um, and didn't realise. So the phone call finished, and I carried on, but I started to... I can't remember it. I was saying that the people I've been speaking to were incorrect and, you know, talking yeah. shit. And yeah. it went on to their voicemail. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's not good. And you hear of people sending emails about people to, like, the actual person yeah. in their house and stuff, don't uh, you? Have you ever done anything like that? Um, I know once I sent um an email to like a supplier or something this was years ago and i'd automatically put kisses on the end and then i was really mortified when i realized that yeah um, now people just tend to put kisses on absolutely everything yeah. but back in the day you didn't do that did you really yeah like, yeah um, i think as long as it's not malicious yeah you know what i mean then yeah. you, you uh, you've got to understand people do make cock-ups um, yeah, and um, you know, that teacher that got that essay is probably laughing themselves. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I, I, if I was the teacher, I'd phone her up and say, look, do not Don't worry me. about it. Yeah. You've got I problem. love how her default response, though, is to put it on TikTok. <laughs> oh, well, no, no, it weren't her. It was a friend's. Oh, right. So they've probably walked in. She's crying, what's wrong? Get the camera, get the camera. <laughs> this is great footage. Our friend's having a mental breakdown. <laughs> That's the world we live in now. Right, okay. And then the final story, uh, this is Pet Parrot Saves Man from House Fire in Australia. Eric the Parrot alerted his owner about the fire at his home in Brisbane even before the smoke detectors did. I love this. I'm, I'm a big animal lover and I love parrots. I'd, I'd have one if I had a cage and could do it. Uh, a man's pet parrot has saved him from a fire that gutted his house. The man in Brisbane... Uh, was uh, well the house the man's house in Brisbane was well alight when firefighters arrived at 2 a.m. Uh, but Anton had escaped without injury. Uh, uh, Anton said his pet parrot named Eric had woken him up before the smoke detectors raised the alarm. I heard a bang and Eric, my parrot, had started to yell, so I woke up and smelled a bit of smoke. I grab, grabbed Eric, opened the doors, and looked to the back of the house and saw some flames grabbed my bag and took off. I'm in shock, but I'm fine. Uh, and Queensland's Fire Emergency Service acting inspector uh, said the parrot had squawked, Anton, Anton! <laughs> 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 to alert him of the danger. There were smoke detectors, but the bird alert, alerted him before the smoke detectors went off uh, and the fire pretty much engulfed the house. How good's that? Clever parrot. Animals are so clever. They're more clever than most humans. <laughs> yeah, they are. What sort of dog you got? <clears throat> I've got a Labrador. Oh, they're so clever. It is so clever. I hate Labradors because they make me look at my dogs and think my dogs are thick as fuck. I've got, oh. two, I've got, two, bo <laughs> I've got two boxes. I love them to bits, but they are so stupid. <laughs> yeah, like, he's too clever for his own good. Yeah, but like we've got a fence uh, oh, yeah. on, the, on the decking. And if I open the gate uh, and they're the other side of the fence and I've got some food, they won't think to walk around the fence. They'll look at me like, oh, no, I can't get the food. I'm not just walk around the fence. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he'd just be straight over that fence yeah, if you had yeah. food from my lab. Yeah. But I think regardless of what pets you've got, you love them for their... They've all got characters, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, even yeah. our chickens have got characters. I mean, I, 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 these chickens are hilarious. They're so funny. The way they run towards you in the morning, 
and you think it's not because it's not because they love me it's because they won't feed him yeah um, but we've started giving them well my daughter did she started feeding them a breakfast of scrambled egg okay they're they're laying eggs we give them scrambled egg um and in the, and so now because we feed them so well if we give them a chicken feed they won't eat it they're like yeah they turn their nose up how many chickens have you got two no more Two. We got. We did a good thing though. They were ba uh, battery chickens. Oh. When they came to us, they were in a right state. Yeah. Um, and now they've got all their feathers are blooming and everything. So no, it's, oh. good. it's a good thing. But they are. Yeah. They are funny. Okay. Right. Let's talk about you, Holly Kerrigan. Now we've got lots to talk about. Obviously, you work for Martin Hospice. Very important. Uh, a charity I like doing stuff for. Uh, and we'll get on to that. But first of all, tell us a bit about growing up. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Coventry. Woo! <laughs> where did you go to school? I went to Stoke Park School. All right, okay. You went to uni? I did go to uni, but after I did my A-levels, when I was growing up, I always thought I wanted to be a barrister. All right. Um, yeah, I did my A-levels and I applied to loads of unis and got offers for unis and stuff but by the time I finished my A-levels I decided that I was actually just a bit sick of studying and I wanted to get a job um so I joined Marconi oh right okay yeah and um did like a business undergraduate program so they sent me to college one day a week to do a business course um but then I worked for the rest of the time got obviously got paid which is what I was all yeah. about um and I loved working there absolutely loved it but then I, after I'd been there for two years, I got the opportunity to take voluntary redundancy. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was, like, a really good payout for, like, a 20-year-old. Just for um, two years? So, yeah. God. So I was like, absolutely, I'll do that. Um, so I did that. And then I was able to go straight on to the third year of a degree course at Cobb Uni. Yeah. Um, because of, like, the credits that I'd got on my, my course that I'd done. So I went full-time at uni, used my redundancy money to sort of keep me going whilst I was at uni, um, and then did my, got a temp job at Coventry City Council and did my dissertation whilst working there. Yeah. So I did it in a roundabout way, um, yeah. but it suited me massively because I just thought I'm sick of full-time study, I want to get a job. Yeah, that does happen. I mean, it was similar to me, really. Studying's hard work. It These is. kids that, and but if you wanted to be a barrister, there's no way around it. You know, it's like, and I always say, if kids want to be barristers, vets, or anything like that, they've got to want it so passionately because yeah. they've got to put the time, and you can't wing it. Yeah. Um, but it's and like, that's the thing. I obviously didn't want it enough, and when I started to look into it a little bit, as much as I thought the end result of being a barrister would be amazing. The study sounded quite boring to me. I was like, oh, this is going to be, you know, a bit dry. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is, when I started work, because um, I never went in, went to uni, I just started like an apprenticeship. Yeah. Uh, it was earning money. Earning money yeah. was great. I mean, yeah. um, you know, I, I see these students, I've, I've got nieces and nephews and stuff that are at uni, and they're scraping along, and it's like I, I just yeah. wanted to party and enjoy it and, buy, and buy things. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, yeah. So I totally, I totally get that. I'm a big believer in apprenticeships. You know, uni yeah. is great, but if you're working and earning, I think yeah. that's a great route as well. Why did you? Where did this come from? This barrister thing? Was your mum and dad a barrister, or any side of the family like that, or? No, um, I probably, I, I also loved like um, drama and stuff when I was at school and acting and all of that. And I think I probably just saw like being in the courtroom as like a bit of acting. So. Yes. <laughs> and obviously I knew they had loads of money. So I was like, yeah, that signed me up. I'll do that. Yeah. So. Obviously. But then when it came down to it, I thought that the studio was going to be a bit too boring. So. Acad academically, you must have been very good though. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I, I don't want to sound like a big head, but I'm <laughs> naturally quite mm. academic, but I loved to like chat and stuff as well at school. Um, and people are always like, God, imagine what you could do if you actually like got your head down and tried. Uh, and I didn't really have to try that hard and I still got a good grade, so I was lucky. 
you were one of these people that used to make me sick at school. You did yeah. nothing, and yet you still got like A stars. And there yeah. was me going in my maths exam without a calculator. <laughs> yeah, naturally, that was me. Sorry. Naturally talented, and you just you just always tended you always tended to sort of pick things up pretty easy, did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I was lucky. I didn't have to try that hard, and I still. Wait, like have you, you got any siblings? I've got a sister. And what's she do? She is um, like a facility. She'll kill me for not knowing a proper title, but um, she's like a head of facilities or something across three schools in rugby. Oh, yeah. So um, she's got a really good job now, but she, um, you know, we are very different, and she was more into like arts and stuff. So she did go to uni, um, and she did like fine art and things like that, and then worked in a museum. Um, and that's when she then started to like um, build the exhibitions and stuff and got more onto that side of things. So, yeah. so it does run in the family then? Maybe. <laughs> okay, so now, so you've, you've got, took your redundancy and marketing, obviously, what was, what was it that sort of got you in? What, 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 interest you, what interested you about marketing? Well, I did a business course and then a business degree. So marketing was like always one aspect of it. And that was the bit that I thought was quite interesting. Like, but I, I did psychology as an A-level and I always loved that. And I think that's kind of why I liked marketing because about people's behaviours and how you can influence people to do stuff yeah. and that type of thing. So I think that's what I really liked about it. Yeah, yeah. It's quite very creative as well, isn't it, I would think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's that's probably a bit of me, really, like matching up the two, like the creative bit and then the kind of like academic-y bit. And I think with marketing, you can do that. Yeah. And where did you, so where, you got your redundancy, then where did you go? So I got my redundancy, I did my uni course, so I attempted at Coventry City Council for a while and then when I finished my degree I started to look for a marketing job um, and I saw a job advertised for Bravissimo Lingerie Company. All right. Yeah, um, their head office based in Leamington and I applied for that job, it was like a marketing assistant role um, and I got it and I stayed there for seven years and I worked like my way up through the different like, job roles and stuff and I, I loved absolutely loved working there I had a brilliant job we got to do loads of fun stuff I did like a bra fitting for Holly Willoughby once what one of my one of my claims to fame I know I wish you would have been there <laughs> <laughs> I'd have helped yeah you're not the first man to say that um I bet I you bring that up every time you have people round or you're down the pub a bit, you know, I guess what I did. <laughs> I haven't said that for ages, but you've just taken me on a trip down memory lane and like it was the time when Trini and Susanna were really big as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So we did loads of stuff with them because we were all about like well-fitting bras and stuff. We yeah. were always trying to get the message out there. Um, Is it proper? I mean, obviously I don't understand. But is it proper customise? You know, does it make a massive difference when you customise a bra? Honestly, it makes such a big difference. Like, and this was our thing. Like, we were just on a mission to like educate as many women as possible about the difference of a well-fitting bra. Um, but then, but then, do you have to have the person to measure, or can you just have loads of different sizes? Or is it a case of, because of body types, really, you customise it to the person? Yeah, you should really have a proper fitting with the person. And, like, our thing as well was lots of, um, like, high street retailers and stuff, they used tape measures, whereas we, we were, like, anti-tape measure. And um, we always, like, said that what you've just said, really, you need to have, like, a one-on-one -on -one bra fitting. And because, yeah. like you say, everyone's different and... Um, that was the best way to sort of go about doing it. So, do you think these celebrities and rich people and things like that they still do it now? Do you think they have them all customised? Do they? I think so. Yeah, because um, there's like Bravissimo had shops all over the country, and they've got them in like America and stuff now as well. It's really taken off. But there's there's a couple of other retailers in London that follow the same sort of yeah. practice. And I so, bet it's not yeah. cheap. I bet it's expensive as well, isn't it? 
yeah, it's not cheap, but you know, like everything, there's obviously different levels. And stuff. Do you do you buy a bra in the shop now and look at it and look? Shit. I still only go to Barbissima. Um, oh dear, you're a snob. Yeah, brass snob. <laughs> oh, that's quite interesting. So anyway, so marketing, you love marketing, and then what happened from there? So I stayed there for seven years. Uh, I left there and I went to work for the NEC in Birmingham. Yeah. Um, and that was another really good job. And um, Perks as well. I used to get free bras at Robertson, and then when I started to work for the NEC, we used to get cheap tickets for gigs. Nice. So if there was like um, not sold out and stuff, the staff used to get on for two quid. You just had to make a donation wow. for charity, two quid. What was the best concert um, you saw there? Prince. Was it? Yeah. Oh, I bet he was brilliant. Only tiny, but. Yeah, Alan. he was amazing. And we, I, I wasn't that into Prince. I didn't, you know, really, like, n know that much about him and stuff. But I remember, like, loads of people went the first night, and the next day they were all coming to work saying how amazing it was, and he was doing another night. So I was like, well, I've got to go then. Yeah. And I'm so glad I did. It was absolutely brilliant. Oh, I love it. You always remember your best concert. I mean, I've got yeah. two. One was Bon Jovi. Uh, at Wembley, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, and Lady Gaga, uh, that was at the NEC. She was just awesome. You know oh, what I mean? Really? It, yeah. ru it ruins you though when you see a good gig because then if you oh, see no. a crap one, it's yeah. like, oh, they've obviously just taken the money and, yeah. You know, not oh, naming any names, Kings of Leon. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I um, loved Madonna. I absolutely loved Madonna growing up. Um, and then me and my friend went to see her finally, like years later, and we went to Cardiff. Yeah. And she was just such a letdown. Yeah. Like you said, she didn't. I expected she on such a good show, you know, but it was just like she didn't want to be there. Oh. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was disappointment. I think. I think when they do too many shows, they lose that. Yeah. And they do so many. I think yeah. it's better when they have them more as a, like a yeah. special, a bit like Take That used to do. And, and, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. I was a big Take That fan as well, so I've seen them a few times. They always put on a good show, didn't they? Definitely, yeah. So, so you're marketing at the NEC then. Amazing, free tickets. What happened there? So I stayed there um, probably only for about 18 months. Um, and then I felt like I was kind of ready to do something else because there wasn't really another role to progress into. Um, so I then went to work for a marketing agency uh, called RBH, based in Meriden. And um, I'd never worked like agents, they say like client side or agency side. I'd never worked agency side, but so I did that. Um, and it was hard, like really hard yeah. working for an agency. It's like long hours, yeah. um, you know, you're pitching for clients and stuff. Oh, God. Um, yeah. But it was good, really, really good. I learned absolutely loads. We had some brilliant clients. We like um, launched Grand Central in Birmingham, the big shopping centre. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun, but it was, it was fun. Yeah. Um, but it's sad. Um, it's sad. It, isn't it great when you do a job like you, you know, you found marketing or marketing's found you and it's obvious you love it. You yeah. know what I mean? And isn't that a great yeah. thing? You see so many people today doing jobs and yeah. you know, and I had someone on the other day and I put a quote up and he said, follow your passion. But I think, yeah. you know, for my kids, I always say, look, I don't care what you do as long as you're happy or you're passionate about it. Cause yeah. you can't get any no. better than that. Can you? Definitely. And I, I think that all the time. I'm so lucky, you know, you go to work, you have to go to work every single day. You spend more time at work than anywhere else, don't you? Yeah. So if you yeah. can do something that you love, it definitely makes a difference. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then you progress and obviously you end up at Martin. Now, something you mentioned earlier before we started is the ego thing. Now, this interests me because obviously I've watched Mad Men in the 50s. That was a great series. But marketing always sort of you think of marketing, yeah, guys in suit trying to do deals and tell us a bit about that. That's all. Yeah. It. So it's it's obviously not all like that, but there is definitely an aspect of that to it, definitely. Yeah. Um and it is 
quite often men in suits, as you so rightly said. Sexist. Yeah, no. And women in suits. Uh, um, but I don't know, some people just take this as too seriously and occasionally I'd have moments where I'd, like, quite a lot of my friends are teachers, one friend's a doctor, and sometimes I'd, like, really stressed about something and then think what am i doing yeah you know, no one's gonna die if this whatever doesn't yeah. get done like in the grand scheme of things like yeah. yeah does it really matter yeah um so that's kind of when i started to think oh i feel like i've got a bit of a, a calling for a charity um, yeah yeah you know i, I suppose I suppose also with marketing, sometimes you're in charge of big contracts and it's big money. I suppose that's another side of it. Definitely, yeah. And, you you know, you're making money for, like, big corporations and that type of thing. Um, and, and that does kind of spur you on because you think, yeah, I want to do this and I want to get that and I want to, you know. Yeah. But then, like I say, I've been doing that for probably 10 years and then I thought, actually, it's time for a change for me and I want to do some good which sounds really cheesy but it was i just thought time for me to make a difference really. yeah so how did you come upon the job at Moyton? so that's what i was starting to think so i just was having a little look keeping an eye out for jobs i knew of Moyton because obviously everyone i think that lives sort of in this area across Coventry and warwickshire is aware um of Moyton and the brilliant work that the hospitals do and then I saw the head of marketing and communications job advertised and I felt like it was a little bit meant to be. Um, so I went for it, I had to go through like two lots of interviews and presentations and stuff and it was down to me and another guy. And then I got the job and four years later, here I am. Smashed it. <laughs> yeah. Now... Um, so Moyton, uh, if people are not aware, Moyton's a hospice. You you can tell us a bit more about that in a minute. But um, how did you feel about working for a charity like that? Because I think some people maybe would have to think it through uh, because you're dealing with people that are dying. You know, it's a, it's a really important thing. Um, or what did you did you think? I'll get the job, and you know, and I'll and. I'll get you, not get used to it, but start to learn what's happening. You know what I mean? Or did you just go in it, trailblazing, boom, I really want to do this, I'm going to make a difference? No, I did think, I don't know how I'm going to be with this, because yeah. like you say, you know, it, people do go to hospices, not only to die, they go for the care and stuff as well, and some people do go home and pain relief and symptom control and stuff, but obviously there is a lot of death mm. and dying. Um, and you know some really young people as well um yeah. and it's it is really sad and it's hard and i remember i i watched a video um when i hadn't been there that long that had been put together and this lad was 19 when he got diagnosed and you know he, he died a few years later yeah and i i, I really kind of like was choked up and it, it was in a big room full of people so i was trying not to just sit there sobbing yeah um I remember I said to my boss afterwards, I said, you know, do you ever stop feeling like that? You know, do you become kind of immune to it? And she said, no. And she said, you know, you wouldn't be normal if you yeah. weren't affected. Yeah. And so long as you're not there sobbing all over the patients and families, yeah. it doesn't hurt to, you know, I have a little cry at my desk sometimes. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah. it makes you so grateful for everything you've got. Yeah. Um, yeah. And these people are so brave like mm, that's yeah. what i've learned from working at my people are going through the shittiest time yeah imaginable yeah and yeah. they are so brave god yeah it's madness isn't it when yeah. we moan because the internet don't work exactly exactly so um i haven't got that much patience for moany people since i've worked at yeah. my so you know. um so so what's been the change in you then do you think since you worked there i think i probably have become a little bit more grateful a little bit more humble um and i i didn't know if i would like working for my own and i didn't know if you know, I, I would like working for a charity. I wanted to give it a go, but I, you know, I remember on my first day I was sat in my office and I was like looking around me thinking, I've 
I've come from like working at this agency in this stunning barn and it was all open plan and really glamorous and all these clients and stuff to then sat in like an office at a charity that was my office is not glamorous in any way yeah um as it shouldn't be because you know the money is not to be spent on that sort of thing but I was thinking like if my agency colleagues could see me now and I didn't know if I'd stay there that long because I thought I might miss like the glitz and the glamour and stuff but actually I love it because I know that how important the charity is and I want to do everything I can to help yeah isn't that a brilliant thing your yeah. your your life story something that set you you know yeah uh, and and that might not have happened and you no. might have continued doing marketing in your fancy places you know what i mean yeah. so you've almost found your calling yeah and that's what i find amazing with people on yeah. the podcast is people yeah. always tend to find that if they want it, if they're passionate enough and and, and the type of person they are they'll they'll, they'll find you know they'll yeah. find their way so yeah. now, so now, if anything, you're very grateful for, for to Martin. Yeah, absolutely, and I love working there. And you know, I thought I might look, four years down the line in the same job. I would have thought that maybe because my last two jobs before that, I was in for about eighteen months, and then I start to get itchy feet and stuff. <laughs> actually, I feel like it's not the same because obviously, you know, there's always more work to be done is how I feel about my and there's always more money to raise there's always more people to let know about the services so it never seems to get old because yeah there's always a mission yeah now tell us so tell us first of all tell us about Martin and yeah. then tell us like you say uh, about the challenges of constantly trying to raise money yeah so Martin's got three hospices Coventry Warwick and Rugby um, they do provide end-of-life care, so you know when people are dying, they, they can stay in our inpatient units and receive the best possible care so that they can have a good death, which people don't necessarily understand is a thing, but it really is. Um, and their loved ones are supported as well. And that's the other thing, you know, it's once that person's gone, how their family can carry on and move yeah. forward and they get loads of support from my end. But one of the kind of main messages, so people think hospices are, you know, just about dying and that it's all doom and gloom, but they're such happy places. There's so much laughter. And the thing that we want to do is reach out to more people much earlier on on their illness. So literally from the point of diagnosis, some people can live for years, but if they can tap into our services early on and get bits of support here and there, like, you know, we do complementary therapy, counselling, physiotherapy, different stuff that can help them to live better and live well for longer with their illness and make the most of the time they've got. Yeah, um, yeah. That's what we want to do. So that's kind of our mission, if you like. Yeah, there must be nothing worse than obviously going through that alone. It must be yeah, horrendous. It, yeah, you've got exactly. brilliant people that are specialised, like at Moyton. Yeah. Know, what, a di- what a difference. Yeah, and that's what we hear all the time as well. And, you know, people say, like, you know, they call the nurses, like, angels and stuff like that. And and they say they can see the difference in the person once they're in might, and people immediately just feel calm and at peace. And, you know, a lot of people are carers, aren't they, for their loved ones, and that's really tough. Whereas we hear that, you know, when they're at Mighton, they can go back to being the wife or the daughter or the sister or, you know, rather than just feeling like the carer. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a massive thing is, you know, you've got the person who, you know, is horrendous. But a lot of the time, and I don't know if you see this, but they're actually so selfless because they're more worried about the people they're leaving yeah. and the pain and they're putting them through yeah. and that's the great thing about mine you're not just looking after the person that's leaving you're looking after the family as well which is great yeah and I think like you say that I think that the patients themselves get a lot of comfort from that knowing that their loved ones are going to be supported because you're right a lot of the time they're not worried for themselves and what's going to happen they're worried for the people they're leaving behind yeah so tell us now obviously it's a charity because why yeah. would the government give them any money? We've just said what a useless job they're doing. Uh, <laughs> is that one of your biggest pains? You always like the government. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I try not to go down that road, otherwise I'm probably get really angry. But yeah. we, it is like again, people don't realise, and when you tell them, they are shocked. Yeah. Um, every year, Mighton has to raise nine point two million pounds to yeah. be able to provide the services. All of our services are provided free of charge as well. Um, so you know, it doesn't cost patients and families anything. Um, so we've got a massive job on our hands. Do you hands. get anything not, from? Do you get anything from the government? We get about twenty percent. Right. Okay, okay. So it costs like twelve million pounds a year to run. We get about twenty percent, and then the rest we've got to raise ourselves. So it's yeah. mad. It is. Crazy. It's frustrating when you know the amount of money and the power that the government have got. Yeah. And you see yeah. them wasting millions and millions and yeah. thinking all we want is twelve. Yeah. But it's yeah. True. yeah. Yeah. So um, what so, so what sort of things do you do to raise money and stuff like that then? So um obviously this year is a little bit different, but yeah. in the normal times, um we have lots of big mass participation events and you know, the people of Coventry and Warwickshire are amazing. They literally are, and they love Mighton, and they want to help. So they get involved. They they do different sponsored events for us. People make donations. People play our lottery. People can leave us gifts in their will and that type of thing. Um, so the support is amazing. It really is. Um, we've also got charity shops. So um, they're obviously closed at the moment. Yeah. Definitely. How did, when lockdown happened back in March, were you worried sick? Yeah, you know, it, it is, it's hard enough to raise the money in normal times, you know, it's such a lot yeah. of money to raise. But knowing that all of our shops were closed, all of our face-to-face -face fundraising stopped, all of our events were cancelled, and everyone was kind of like, oh, how are we going to raise this money now? Yeah. Um, so we launched an urgent appeal, and again, the public were amazing. You know, we we did get a significant amount of money from that. Yeah. But yeah. still, we we are going to expect to see losses of around two million pounds in our income this year. Yeah. Least, and what know. what? How does that affect the charity? Because I would guess you you really don't want to turn anyone away. No. Um, do you have to turn people away, or or is it a case of working around it? working around it definitely so that's the thing throughout all of this pandemic we have maintained our services we've had to do some stuff a bit differently um but we patient services is like the last thing that would be impacted so we've just had to look at other ways to you know cut costs save money be more efficient that type of thing um so yeah but no we, we the last thing we would want to do is cut our services yeah yeah definitely so type of things you do tell me about this christmas quiz you're doing <laughs> wow we've managed to find ourselves a really amazing quiz master oh shut up yeah um, we've got some guy in a man cave to do it for us <laughs> yeah um so we've got a with obviously when we couldn't do it face-to-face uh, -face events anymore we had to start doing everything virtually um like lots of other people so we've done a couple of quizzes but we've got the big might and christmas quiz coming up on the 27th of november it's gonna be loads of fun we had a little test run didn't we uh, and yeah had a few laps this week keep them questions in <laughs> There's a few tricky questions to keep everyone on their toes. Yeah. But it's all completely Christmas themed. It's going to be a really fun night. It's obviously raising money for a brilliant cause. So I would encourage you to go to our website and sign up to take part. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, from my perspective, I just love doing it. Uh, I enjoy it because I know we're doing it for a good cause. But I also like to see, I can see from here doing the quiz, being the quiz master. I, I could see everybody and how they're enjoying it and interact with people, which I love. And it's just fun. And, you know, it's the least we could, this, this time year, it's the least we can do. It might be the only fun thing we get to do. So people, make, <laughs> yeah. you know, and what is it? A four, is it a four, how much is it again? Yeah, five pounds per person. To yeah, take part. so it's nothing. So, you know, I will mercilessly, mercilessly, that's not even a word, uh, plug 
the quiz yeah. we'll try and you know it'd be great if we could do a record you know, yeah because it, it and like lee said ha seeing everyone on screen and you can all sort of see each other as well and pe it's nice as well to feel like you're actually connecting with people when you've been locked in you know and not been yeah. able to like have any contact it's nice it's the nearest you can get to being in yeah. the club and having a yeah. it, isn't it you know what i mean and, and, yeah. and, and chatting which is and a wonderful that's... thing because years ago you couldn't do that so no, i know Bless, bless yeah, what would we have done if this had happened when we didn't have any of this technology? <laughs> I know, it'd be even worse, wouldn't it? That's why when people are complaining, I know it's hard, but come on. And especially yeah. for you, I mean, I bet you think, Christ, the things I've seen, you know, yeah. there's, there's nothing to... Exactly. If all you've got to do is just try and stay in for four weeks, then it's not that bad, is it? No, no. And so where do you... So we'll, I'll put that the link to that... Uh, obviously in the podcast notes and also if people do want to uh, do want to find out where it is what can, can they just put Martin Christmas quiz into the internet will it come up yeah that should come up but if they want to go onto our website um, which is www.mightandhospice.org and then we've got an events page and we've got lots of virtual events coming up so we've got the quiz we've got a Santa Dash um, different ways that people can support us on there Awesome. So where do you see the future for yourself in marketing and also the future for Martin? Hmm, good questions. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know where I see the future for myself because right now I'm happy doing what I'm doing. So I haven't really thought about that. Is there, um, ever, is there ever any time where you're at work and you just think, I can't keep doing this or... And but then no no see that's Not really great. no yeah because when you don't even question yourself no. that's you know yeah you've got it, you're in the right job definitely absolutely and actually I'm quite ambitious and normally I would have a career plan and stuff so I think you know what my next move's going to be so I think that does say a lot about you know how much I do love working for my and that at the minute I'm not really thinking about that yeah and the grass is not always greener as well you know what I mean. No. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, and I, and go on. I think um, now more than ever as well, I appreciate working for Martin and, you know, working somewhere that I love. And Yeah. And the future of Martin, where do you see the future of Martin? So we're going to, you know, continue on our mission to kind of reach even more people. But talking about all this virtual stuff some of our services have had to go virtual as well not all of them can yeah. but some of them can um and that's actually been really successful stuff that you wouldn't think would necessarily work has because people have got no choice so we've just adapted. what sort of thing ollie so like um we um do lymphedema which is a treatment for cancer patients around swellings and stuff um, and like fatigue and breathlessness, we did clinics and things, but now the nurses are delivering those virtually like this. So people can actually carry out the treatments and things on themselves and use the techniques and be talked through. Yeah. Um, and we're putting together like different videos for different aspects, like things like yoga and breathing and all sorts of stuff. So, so if anything, your reach is probably further now. Yeah, yeah, with, because with actually, yeah, yeah, you're right. It doesn't rely on people having to come into the hospice itself. And yeah. sometimes people are too poorly to come and access those kind of outpatient yeah. services. But actually, if they can access them from home, then as you say, it's it's opening it up to more people. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, now we always ask my guests uh, a favourite. So it can be anything, a film, TV, book, exercise, class, Anything like that, just something that may other people can think, oh, I'll try that or I'll do that. So tell us what your favourite is. Am I allowed to say two because I'm greedy? Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> okay, so we've started watching something on Netflix quite recently, which is called The Heist. And it's oh, about, yeah. Do you know it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, these people um, break into the Royal Mint in Spain and it's masterminded. It's quite old. So we're, I'll tell you what happened actually. We went to Portugal in the summer. Nice. And they were, um, which we were very lucky to be able to do because I know a lot of people couldn't go on holiday yeah. this year. Um, so they were, film, they were filming something and we were like, oh, what are they filming? And they, they told us and it was this. So then we were like, oh, we'll have to have a look at that when we get back. 
and it came out a few years ago i think there's like four or five series now but we're on series one and it is brilliant yeah so i'd recommend yeah. that it is um, and, and and just on that oh, i've watched it um but uh, there's a good behind the scenes uh video i think it's on netflix or it's on youtube because they didn't realize how big it was going to be especially in spain over here it's not as big but in Spain, it erupted and they the stars became like movie stars. Oh, really? There's actually videos of them, yeah, uh, you know, walking out in the street and they just get mobbed because these, yeah. you know, these actors, totally unknown, did this yeah. little series, thought it'd be one series, and it just yeah. exploded. So, what? yeah, if you get a chance, watch oh, that. I'll have a look. Quite interesting. I think they had to move the filming of this latest series from Spain to Portugal because I think Spain was in like a much stricter lockdown at the time. Yeah, yeah. But even yeah. that, they had like armed police and stuff, yeah. like, you know, not letting anyone get close to them. Yeah. So. Oh, good pick, good pick. And what else? Um, my other thing, and I would say to anyone, I always say this, I think that doctors should prescribe exercise to people because it is the best thing for mental well-being as well as obviously physical. Um, so I like to run a bit, but also through Run lockdown, a bit? <laughs> I see you at five o'clock in the morning running, you saddo. <laughs> I like to get it done so then I know I'm done for the day. Yeah. And no. it puts me in a good mood for the day as well. But I've been doing online fitness classes as well. And this lady's on Instagram. So it's Lauren Gregory underscore PT. And um, Monday, Wednesday and Friday mornings at seven, we do a half an hour class and it's like hit or um, fighting fit and different things like that, body circuit. And it is brilliant. Yeah. Oh, excellent. You are such a fitness fanatic. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I do my bit and I've spoke about it. I can't remember which, which uh, podcast it was on, uh, which episode it was on, but we spoke about this before and it always comes up to do with mental health, depression, anything, exercise. Yeah. And the big thing is people from, oh, don't want to exercise. It's not got to be running or weight training or anything like that. Go for a walk. Yeah. Go outside, you're in lockdown, you're still allowed to walk. And yeah. everybody can walk, believe it or not. So there's <laughs> no excuse. And you're no. totally right. And sometimes the, the, the mental challenge is doing it. Once you yeah. do it, you feel, oh, mate, I mean, I'm going to go for a run today. And I'm not like you. Oh, you'll see me coughing up, puking, <laughs> screaming and sweat. But when I get home, I'm like, ah, that's better. <laughs> that's the thing. It's so true. You can always really talk yourself out of it. And as you say, you can find any excuse not to do it. But never, ever do you do an exercise class or a run and feel worse afterwards. You're always busy and you are. And, uh, and it annoys me because you annoy me doing it early in the morning because that's what <laughs> I'd like to do. Because I know you're doing it right. I'd like to do it early because then you feel great and set up for the day. But yeah. I'll come in here, do some editing or faffing around and then look at my watch like 12, I'm like, oh. And then I'll go and do it and feel like crap. So there's a good tip, Holly, early in the morning. Yeah, get up early and get your run done. Definitely. Okay, now I always ask my guests for a bit of advice. Uh, if you could give us a bit of advice of, say, if it was the younger you or someone who wanted to get into marketing, uh, what sort of advice do you think you could give them? I think just make sure that you like do a lot of research and make sure you know a lot about like the company, for example, that you want to approach. Loads of places will let you do like a bit of work experience or a bit of like interning or stuff. So I'd say, you know, just keep following your dream, really. Stick with it. And if it's meant to be, it will work out. Yeah. And sort of what advice would you give for, for people because of what's happened with you and you've sort of fell into the right role? What, what, call, what do you think that is? Do you think that was just following your instincts or what do you think advice you could tell people if they want to find the role that they're meant for and to enjoy it i'd say yeah probably follow your instincts if you get a good feeling that something's meant for you then go with it and don't give up yeah go with your gut go with your gut 
famous filmmaker told me that once and it's right and the thing is when you go with your gut as well if it's wrong you've got no one to blame you can just say look i went with my gut so great bit of advice okay so as far as uh concerned if they go into the website are they on twitter and facebook and all that kind of thing as well so at myton hospices on all the social channels you can find everything on there excellent stuff well look thanks ever so much for coming on holly it's been an absolute joy because i know we always interact about the quiz and things like that and i'll see you you know when you're running five in the morning Uh, (laughs) but it's nice to just have a chat and find out you know about a person Uh, yeah it is i've enjoyed it as well i was a little bit nervous beforehand thinking oh but actually i've just chatted away with you and the time's flown by so everyone is everyone's nervous and i just calm them down it's just (laughs) uh but you keep doing what you're doing because you're doing a brilliant job um and it's people like you you that make a difference you know yes you've got your little role everybody's got the little role but if you don't do it you know it'll all collapse and and martin's such a brilliant charity so you know we'll plug the quiz as much as possible and try and raise a few quid brilliant Thank you. No problem at all. You take care, Holly, and I will speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. So that's it. Massive thanks again to Holly for joining me today and also for you for listening. Now, make sure you follow the podcast because coming up over the next months, there are even some more extraordinary interviews. I keep saying that, but they are. Look at today's fantastic uh the podcast will be streaming on the usual platforms including itunes and spotify so leave a rating on there and subscribe uh, to keep up to date follow facebook which is my way of thinking podcast and also my way on my uh, twitter <laughs> is my way of thinking with a three on the end instead of a g every week i also put the whole conversation on youtube which is my way of thinking podcast and finally if you want to get in touch or you think you might be a great guest then email me uh, it's mawatpodcast at aol.com. And also, finally, remember the Martin Christmas quiz. It's so much fun. I love hosting it. Uh, please, please go on there. Go into the Martin website. Join up a fiver. I mean a fiver. Come on. You've heard from Holly what she's got, what they have to do uh, to try and get that money. It's just hard work. So we can all do a little bit, especially before Christmas. So join up and you'll see my beautiful face and we'll have a laugh. Trust me. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you're listening next week. Speak soon.